This is Take Care, a health and wellness show produced by WRVO Public Media. I'm Katherine Loper. And I'm Jason Smith. The idea of health has evolved over the decades. It's even evolved over the last couple of years. It's not just physical health anymore. It's also wellness, a concept that includes your mental health, happiness, and so much more. But have you considered your finances to be part of that overall wellness picture? Our next guest might suggest that you do. Brett Weisel is a lecturer in the business department of the Borough of Manhattan Community College. Weisel is a former investment banker who writes about behavioral economics, decision-making, finance, and philosophy. Producer Leah Landry talked with him about financial health as wellness. Thanks for being with us today, Brett. I'm glad to be here, Leah. So the idea of having a solid financial footing has really been around for quite some time, even if we didn't call it financial wellness. But has our perception of financial wellness over time changed? Yes, I think our perceptions have changed as we've become more aware of the psychology of money, the cognitive biases that affect our financial decision making, and also the relationships among financial health, mental health, and physical health. Are people generally more educated about their finances today? Maybe that's just because of modern society or technology. Would you say that's the case? I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that it is the case that people are better educated today than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. In fact, relative to what we really need to know in the context of such a complex environment, we actually, I'm going to say, well, we know less. Do you think interest in financial health, though, has changed at all, that maybe people are more interested in it just as our interest in overall wellness has increased? Yes, I do think there is a trend towards being more aware of health, wellness, physical, psychological, et cetera, in the corporate setting and in the setting of higher education as well, I'll say. And I think that there's been a lot of interesting research out lately on the relationship between financial and physical mental health. And part of that trend seems to be a connection between financial health and now understanding that that makes up at least part of our overall health. Why is it important to your health to be financially secure? Well, it's important to our mental physical health to be financially secure for, well, really a, a whole bunch of reasons. But I think one of them, just to start, is that if you are feeling financially insecure, that can cause chronic stress. And chronic stress can have direct physical and mental health impacts as it causes this fight or flight reaction in an almost continuous way. These stress hormones can have negative effects on our, our bodies and our minds. Many people might be thinking, sure, if you're financially well off, you don't have that stress. But how much of that feeling confident and maybe not having that stress is really to do with how much money you have versus just how much control you have over that money? Yeah, I think you're right that it is important to feel that you have control in terms of your spending today, in terms of your ability to bounce back from unexpected expenses having the financial freedom to enjoy life and feeling like you're on track to meet your long-term goals. And, and it is not limited to folks who are with low and moderate incomes. That I've spoken with folks with higher incomes who are also feeling challenged on those four dimensions. So more about stress specifically that you mentioned chronic stress as well. It is well known that stress affects not just our mental health, but also our physical health. What do we know about that connection between financial issues and stress? We know that there is some clearly strong correlations between financial stress and 
mental physical health issues such as ulcers, digestive issues, migraines, insomnia, high blood pressure, back and muscle tension, also anxiety, depression, etc. These are correlated. And I think our understanding of this goes back to the 70s with some really interesting studies called the Whitehall studies, which show that there is a pretty strong relationship between your, your status in terms of whether you're a senior and making more money or a subordinate making a lot less money and how long you are likely to live. That's incredible. And I want to go back a year or so to an article that you wrote in Forbes where you discuss some specific feedback loops. And that first one is about physical health. Um, how does physically having stress because of financial situations, how does that lead to a feedback loop? Yeah. So if you're feeling chronic stress, that can have some direct and indirect effects on your physical health. You know, in the situation where you're feeling stress over your tough financial situation, you've got those fight or flight hormones called adrenaline and cortisol, serotonin, some others that can suppress your immune system. Actually, it can suppress a, you know, a whole variety of different systems. And that can lead to health problems, including coronary heart disease and abnormal heart rates, abdominal fat, poor sleep patterns, memory and mood disruptions. And when you've got these health problems, and you're in a country where you've got a trend towards high deductible health plans, these health issues can be very expensive. So you've got $1,000 co-pays that you need to make in order to address these physical health issues that subtract from your financial health and then increase that stress even further. So it's a feedback loop that can get worse and worse unless you figure out a way to break out of that. Right. And that's very similar to the loop that you identify with mental health. But the last one is uh, just slightly more complicated, but it is directly related to our overall wellness. So I want to I want to mention that you say that people and we've heard these stories on NPR, especially lately, are actually delaying medical treatment because of their financial situation. Where is the feedback loop there? Yeah. So there's a, a kind of an indirect feedback loop where you've got You've got financial stress that does cause health issues directly, but in addition can indirectly make health issues worse. So we know that 56% of people with chronic diseases delay care. Folks with high blood pressure, asthma, diabetes, congestive heart failure, et cetera, they'll delay care. And, and of course, that could make that physical health problem worse. And then the ultimate financial costs of dealing with those health issues could be worse. Again, increasing stress via the financial impact of that. How can individuals break out of those feedback loops? Or better yet, how can we make sure that we stay out of them altogether? Well, I think it's a systemic problem. And I think it's really hard to ask individuals to solve that problem on their own. I think that it's up to our society and our government to address issues of inequality, education, lack of a substantial safety net, deregulation, and, and health policy that does not address the issues that we all are facing. I think we can, as individuals, we can look to our employers for supports and programs to build our financial health and reduce the income volatility that many of us are experiencing. And then finally, you know, as individuals, I think we can take political action. We can focus on our attitudes and behaviors that are causing our financial and, and other aspects of health to worsen. And we can work on doing things like building an emergency fund that can reduce the risk that we have of 
not being able to bounce back from unexpected expenses. I think about how things have changed even over the last 15 years. I took a finance class in high school where you learned how to balance a checkbook, and now there are apps that are directly correlated with your bank account that tells you how much money you're spending on food and entertainment and bills, housing. Do you think that there is a positive trend that maybe technology or these other things that people are using now can help us make better financial decisions, even if maybe that trend isn't playing out in people's bank accounts. Yeah, I think if there were a clear positive trend in that respect, that we would be seeing some evidence in people's bank accounts, but we're not. I really think that it's a mixed bag. We worked on our own financial wellness app, and as a result of doing that, we did survey what's out there. And I I really think some apps are really helpful, and some are really there just to drive sales of financial products and services that you may or may not need. The consumer has to navigate that somehow, and and that's a challenge. In your opinion, is financial wellness a universal need? Yes, absolutely. Financial wellness is a universal need, and I think that the need is even more acute in countries where the safety net isn't as strong, <laughs> you know, for example, in the United States, I'd say, and where the educational system and and other aspects of society lead to significant inequalities. You mentioned high-deductible health care plans. Do you see any changes maybe in what candidates are talking about heading into the election that could take some of that financial pressure off of those who could be struggling? Gosh, I hope so. We've seen that the percentage of people who report difficulty paying for medical care has gone from 15% for folks with high deductible plans versus 10% nationwide. Healthcare reforms that reduce deductibles, that reduce the risks of bankruptcy and financial distress because of health issues are going to have enormous benefits, not just to the people who no longer have to worry about this, but to society as a whole. Thanks so much for being with us on Take Care. Thanks for having me, Leanne.